Okay, Ben and his team are going to lead us now. How's everyone doing this morning? Right, that was really rubbish, isn't it? Um, I tell you what, if you're able to stand, stand up and then I'm going to ask you again. Now, is, how is everyone doing this morning? I even got a thumbs up from Tim. Yeah, everything that, everything that, everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Everything that, everything that, everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Praise you in the morning, praise you in the evening, praise you when I'm young and when I'm old. I praise you when I'm laughing, praise you when I'm grieving, praise you every season of the soul. Joining with the angels, praising you forever and a day. Praise you on the earth now, join with all creation, calling all the nations to your faith. If they could see how much your, your power, your might, your endless love, then surely they would never cease to pray. ago um, we sang a song where you all had to make animal noises. Who was here when we did that? No one admits it. <laughs> oh great, we're going to do it again. So a little bit later in this song I'm going to shout the name of an animal and you have to make the noise, okay? Where are all the kids? The kids are way better at it than the adults. Are there any kids who want to come down the front and show the adults how it's done? So if I shout pigs, what noise are you going to make? Cool. You can do actions as well. That makes life very interesting for me at the front. If I shout frogs, what noise are you going to make? If I shout lions, what noise are you going to make? There's about four of you joining in, which is fine. If, that, you know, if that's how it's going to be, that's how it's going to be. Right? Are there no kids want to come down the front and show the adults how it's done? Gave the mouse its squeak, sharks their teeth, we made legs that jump, camels the hump, we made the kangaroo, and humans too. He even gave us lips good for kissing. He made fish that fly, eyes that cry, he made birds that poo upon your shoe, he made whales that sing, bees that sting, 
man is lovely jubbly All of God's creation is lovely jubbly All of God's creation is lovely jubbly All of God's creation What a wonderful God we have It's lovely jubbly All of God's creation is lovely jubbly All of God's creation is lovely jubbly All of God's creation He made it all, he made it all, he made it all He made dogs that point, pigs that oink He made dolphins smile, crocodiles He made a zillion things fly with wings He even gave us tongues good for licking He made things that scoops, things that hoops He made something smell, not so well He made the wind to blow, clouds to snow He even made your knees that are so knobbly and it's lovely jubbly All of God's creation It's lovely jubbly All of God's creation It's lovely jubbly All of God's creation What a wonderful God we have It's lovely jubbly All of God's creation It's lovely jubbly All of God's creation It's lovely jubbly All of God's creation He made it all, he made it all, he made it all Okay, this is the bit, okay? He made pigs that oink. <laughs> I really surprised me. I don't know where that came from. He made pigs that. He made frogs that. He made lions that. He made skunks that. Smell. What do they do? Oh, okay. He made sheep that. He made camels that. I don't know what noise they make. <laughs> he made cows that. And he made ants. <laughs> Whatever they do. And it's lovely jubbly. It's lovely jubbly. All of God's creation. It's lovely jubbly. All of God's creation. What a wonderful God we have. Lovely jubbly, all of God's creation. It's lovely jubbly, all of God's creation. It's lovely jubbly, all of God's creation. He made it all, he made it all, he made it all. He made it all, he made it all, he made it all. He made it all. He made it all. He made it all. If you want to sit down for a rest after that. Um, just a few notices. Alan. Alan wants to say something. Uh, right, well, we're starting to do this um, project thing around the area, and people have uh, started coming to me and saying, could you come and do this? Could you come and do this? There's a lovely little old lady who lives just around in Mulberry Avenue who came to me and said... Um, I've got sciatica and blah, 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 and I need borders weeding and hedges cutting and stuff like that. So I went around and had a look at it this week, and uh, I think with enough people, it would only be about half a day's work. So I need volunteers, people to come and help do a little bit of gardening, half a day's gardening. Um, if you want to do it, then come and see me, and we'll arrange a good time and a good day Let's help this little old lady out. She's actually a star. We went around to see her the other day. Um, Ellie was off school on an inset, so she came with me to see her. And we walked out, and at the end, Ellie said, she's fantastic, isn't she? So she's a really great lady. Not that that makes any difference at all, but it helps. Okay, come and see me after. Thanks. Uh, please continue to pray. Last week, prayed for a number of people. Um, as many of you know, Lucy's father died. The funeral's on Friday, so Lucy will be back later this weekend. But please continue to pay for her, particularly for her mum and her brother who are up in Shropshire where they, used to, where they live, uh, and for Lucy and Alex. Um, also, you may notice on here, there's a number of people running the, the 10K later this year for Hope 08. Um, somebody volunteered that all the leaders were going to do it. For some reason, Janet stopped being part of the leadership team about the same sort of time, but there's no connection, I'm told. Um, so, and a number of people also ran last week for Race for Life. So if you sponsored people for that, please remember 
to pay up. Uh, and let's just see Liz's notices for this week. it mentioned it. it's Pete Russell's birthday as well I don't know why we haven't got a picture of him but I... okay thanks very much ben? right we learned a new song in practice last week would it be okay if we taught it to you we can play some and you know if you want we'll give it a go eh? Yeah, you, you stay sat, we'll play it through once, and then uh, if you, if you like, like the sound of it, then we'll all get up and sing it. <laughs> if, if you don't, we'll sing something else. All creation is a song Waiting to be sung All of nature like a prayer Waiting for a tongue But who will give it voice And make it sound from me Or rise to lead a choir Of all created things Lord, hear your people sing Blessing, honor, glory, power To creation's King Songs of earth and songs of heaven Join as one to be Blessing, honor, glory, power To creation's king All the nations are the same Waiting to be sung Every instrument and voice Created for the one The maker of all things The majesty above Who brought us back from death With such a costly love What praise could be enough? Blessing, honor, glory Creation's King Songs of earth and songs of heaven Join as one to bring Blessing, honor, glory, power To creation's King How are you feeling? Do you reckon we can handle it? Okay, let's, let's, let's stand up then. All creation is a song Waiting to be sung All of nature like a prayer Waiting for a time But who will give it voice And make its anthem ring Or rise to lead a choir 
of all created things, Lord, hear your people sing. Blessing, honor, glory, power.
to creation's king songs of earth and songs of heaven join us one to bring blessing honor glory power to creation's king May you who are restless find rest. And in rest, restoration and the healing of your hollow soul. May peace be yours. May you who are frozen find freedom. And in freedom, the strength to face the fire of the thawing of your ice-gripped heart. May peace be yours. May you who are conflicted find convergence. And in convergence, confidence to be the one new child of your old divided self. May peace be yours. May you who live in tension find tenderness. And in tenderness, the tendency to kindness. And the miracle of majoring in mercy. May peace be yours. And you who are godless, may you find God. And in God, the grace and growth you need for fruit and fullness. And the love that will last you through the long haul of a lived for others life. May peace be yours. If the children want to uh, make their way out why Ben and the group continue, thanks. If anybody would like to help me with the um, five and unders, it would be very gratefully received. Thank you. Be lifted up. Be lifted up. As we bow down. Be lifted up.
as we bow down be lifted up as we bow down be lifted up as we Father, we thank you that we can come before you in that spirit of worship and adoration and bow before you, acknowledging that you are God, you are great, you are holy. We thank you, Father, that you are not a God that's so far removed that we can have nothing to do with you. We thank you that through your Son, Jesus, we can come to know who you are and what you can do. Be lifted up as we bow before you, Lord, I pray. Amen. If you want to sit down, um, we're continuing this morning in, in our series of learning. So we thought we'd get the most experienced person involved in leadership to talk about learning from his many, many years of experience. Um, but no, to be serious, all of us should learn from experience. All of us, uh, uh, however old or young, should be learning. And Tim's going to talk to us this morning about learning from experience. Thanks, Tim. It's one of those things that talking Linden, maybe, maybe we've done it about three or four times. And I'm so grateful for the days that Ben Brown turns up when I'm speaking because if anything goes wrong now, I'll just pick on him, make fun of him and bring him down a peg or two. So he's already, he's opened the floodgates by booing me. So Tim's already stole my talk. Experience, we should learn from it. Great, done, dusted. Fantastic. Oh, thanks, Barbara. See, the other thing I love about Lyndon is there's always someone to look after me. Don't, don't worry, it's not important, it's just my notes. So anyway, it's lovely to see a lot of new faces here. Um, it's nice that Debbie came back from somewhere in the world to be here. I saw that Carrie's here from Cambodia. Jim, Josie, Ben from London. Made me feel really special, but then I was sitting there and I suddenly realised, wow, I'm now really, really nervous that there's people here who wouldn't normally be here. So I'm going to do my best, but if I get nervous and waffle on, then just start going like this to me. Okay, so experience. So as Tim said, I'm 25 and I feel somewhat inadequate to speak about this. Cheers, Sam. I'm not going to stop just yet. <laughs> um, so so I, I did what anybody in my position might do, and I went to see my grandparents. So this, this past few days, me and my brother, we, we went down to Kent and we visited my grandparents, who between them have uh, a collective 150 years experience. So I thought I'd tap into that and um, I'd share that wisdom with you today. So we sat down in their front room, we're having some coffee, and I said, to, I said Grandma and Grandpa, with, with all your years of experience, what's the one thing that you, you've learned? You know, what's the outstanding piece of knowledge you could share with people. Um, my, my grandma sat there. Um, she's a lovely, lovely old lady. And she said, well, well, Timothy, she calls me Timothy. No one else in the world does. Well, well Timothy, um, I've learned the importance of Calvary love. Not just love, but Calvary love. And I looked a little bit confused. She turned to my grandfather and she, she said, I've learned that you need to love even when you don't want to. She looked into his eyes and she said, you need to give to people when you don't want to give to them. You need to be nice to them when you don't want to be nice to them. And she waxed lyrical about this sacrificial love. My grandfather looked straight back at her and said, Timothy, I've learned how to say no. <laughs> so this idea of experience, I thought it'd be good if we quickly unpack that and explore it. Um, so what do we mean by experience? What do we think of? What are the things that, 
that come to mind. So just very quickly, if you've got anything that popped into your mind when I say the word experience, just, just shout it out. Anyone? Knowledge. Wiseness. One at a time, please, come on. De Derek? Things that happen to you, Jules, you said? Stuck in your ways, that's interesting. Um, what? Don't make the same mistake twice, that idea of mistakes. Okay. Sorry, Richard? Something new every day. Good, yeah, I, I agree with those. Um, I chucked the word into Google, I Googled it, which I think is now a proper word, um, and it came up with a whole bunch of, of links. So, but two, two categories seem to come out. So there was the, the, the red letter days, the kind of the gifts you could buy someone and experience. There were holidays offering you the experience of a lifetime. There was stuff about gap years for students, saying come and do your gap year with us, it'll be a great experience. And equally there was stuff to do with jobs and knowledge, so uh, gain work experience, um, like adverts for job, you need the adequate experience, the knowledge. Um, so, so two categories. I thought I'd better look it up in the dictionary, seeing as I was talking about it. Um, and it says in the dictionary that experience is, I'm just going to take some water, the accumulation of knowledge or skills that results from direct participation in events or activities. Equally, Experience is a verb, it's a doing word, um, and it can be described as to go or to live through something. So that active sense and experience. So these, this is twofold word, okay? So I looked a little bit deeper, and I found that experience actually comes from a Latin root. I'm not gonna try and say the word, but it's very closely linked with this word experiment. And I guess it's fair to say that that all of us are, to some extent, the product of our experiences. Would you agree with me? That we are who we are today because of the journey that we've traveled, the people that we know, the things that we've done, the things that we've seen, um, that makes up who we are. And maybe it's because of the scientist in me, but I, I quite like this link between experience and experiment. Um, but often, um, an experiment, the quality of an experiment is judged by its results. So it made me get to think that when we think about learning from experience, maybe the question is, what is it we do with the results of our experiences? So we can't escape experience. It's something we live through, we go through. It's part of everyday life. As, as Richard said, we learn something new every day. Every day is a school day. But the question is, what are we learning at school? What are we choosing to take away with us? So I'm going to cut back to my grandparents, because I quite like them, really. While, we were, while me and my brother were visiting them, I think they wanted to show us off, which is quite flattering for me. My, my grandma quite likes me, which is a good thing. I'm not quite sure how that happened, but I managed to convince her I was a nice boy. Um, she, took, she took me and my brother to see some close family friends called Valerie and Michael, who are equally as old as they are, and equally as wise. So I suddenly found myself in a room with now 300 years experience at my fingertips, so I thought I'd exploit this. And, and I said to them in the room, I said, now here's a tough question, but if you could think back over your whole lives and pick out the one single best experience, what would that be? And they mumbled and muttered for a while, and basically we all decided it was too hard a question. In fact, my grandparents said it's not really fair because at their age they can't really remember much past last month. So, so they said their, their positive experiences were relatively recent. Um, but as Valerie left the room, Michael, who is quite a funny man, leant, leant over to me, and he whispered quietly in my ear, he said, Tim, the best experience in my life was the day that I married Valerie. And I thought, oh, that's lovely. Really sweet thing for him to say. His wife left the room. He didn't want to embarrass her. He said it to me privately. He then struck up a cheeky little grin, and he said, because on that day, I got a woman to cook and clean for me for the rest of my life. <laughs> I think it's, it's fair to say that 
we've all experienced the, the ups and the downs in life. There are those times which stick out in our minds as being fantastic and brilliant, and we relish and cherish those memories. But equally, there are those times that are hard and that are, are painful, and we'd rather forget them. So positive experiences are the best, but, and, and I'm sure we'd, we'd wish for much more of them in our lives. But in thinking about today, in this idea of learning from experience, I thought, when have I learnt most? And actually, for me, the most profoundly shaping, moulding, changing experiences in my life have been the hardest, worst, most horrible experiences that I'd rather forget. And I found that interesting. I think the question is, do we let God work through those bad situations in our lives? Or do we end up becoming damaged by life? I think that's a really hard challenge for us. We must not let negative experiences take root in our lives. I don't believe that is biblical. I don't believe that is right from any standpoint in life. I think that just makes us bad people. When, when, uh, when me and my brother were kids, we were very lucky to have a dad who had a complete disregard for health and safety. <laughs> he probably would have been Neil and Janet's worst nightmare um, because he would let us do almost anything and everything. He even made us um, bows and arrows and crossbows with triggers, which were more than adequate of killing small animals at ages of about six and seven. But when, when I was um, about nine or ten years old, we moved house, and we were really lucky enough to have a much bigger garden. At the bottom of our garden was this huge oak tree, which was fantastic, and there were a few other trees dotted around, and the moment we moved in, me and my brother eyed up these trees for tree houses and adventures and for our bows and arrows. It was fantastic, but my, my dad, the child in him had bigger aspirations. My dad looked at an oak tree and he saw another tree in the garden and my dad saw a zip slide. So the amazing day came where dad starts playing around with ropes and winches and cars, climbing oak trees, and he starts to fashion this amazing zip slide. Probably ran, I'm going to exaggerate, I'm not going to tell you how long it went. <laughs> it was really, really good. And particularly for boys of 10 years old, it was just like a dream come true. Now, now Dad, despite his disregard for health and safety, had a little bit of wisdom and knowledge and thought, if I put the rope at the top of the oak tree, they're not even going to be able to climb up and get on it. So he, he tied the rope halfway up the oak tree, a reasonable height that if we fell from, we would get injured but not die. And he sent it down to the next tree in the garden. Me and my brother loved it. It was absolutely amazing. We were the, the envy of our friends. Friends would want to come round just to play on the zip slide. They didn't care about anything else. Um, I, ca I can't describe to you how amazing the zip slide was. So as time went on, my brother, being older than me, stood at the bottom of this oak tree, looked up, and he had aspirations of something bigger and better. He wanted to impress his friends a little bit further. And my brother saw the potential for putting the rope higher up the tree. So one morning, without my dad knowing, me and my brother embarked on the modification of the zip slide. We like to call it the zip slide mark two. And uh, my brother being older and quite protective of me would not let me climb up the oak tree that far. But he, we, we fashioned um, ro rope ladders and we nailed things into the tree and we managed to climb up really, really high. And we, we untied the rope that my dad had, had put there and we tied it as high as we could possibly reach. So we, we re-jigged we re the zip slide, it was amazing. But the problem was, we didn't have my dad's car, we didn't have my dad's winches to tension this rope. So it now had a bit of a slack in it. So as you, as you jump off, there's this amazing jerk, and then you zip down it. It was fine, it was brilliant. Uh, we played on it for a few days. But obviously, <laughs> the fateful day came. Where one morning, my brother climbed the tree as he had done so many times before. Hands on the handlebars. Looked up at the pulley, knots were good, brilliant. He leapt. There was the customary jerk, as we now become a fashion two with the Mark II. 
and the knot that my brother had tied at the top of the tree came undone. My brother fell nearly 30 feet, splatted on the garden floor, and what ensued can only be described as a bloodbath. Um, there was literally a pool of blood at the bottom of our garden. Um, we rushed as if my brother was okay, thinking he must have almost like killed himself. And amazingly, all he had done is cut his chin, <laughs> but quite badly. He had to have some stitches and stuff. But, but, um, but needless to say, mum's response was not a good one. My brother, somehow I, I avoided this, which I was really pleased about. My brother got the biggest telling off of his life uh, after the hospital and everything. Um, mum ordered dad to go and cut down the zip slide to, to take away the pulley so we could never make it again. Um, and basically, my mum robbed us of the best toy we had ever had. My dad, on the other hand, we don't think he really wants us to get rid of it. He probably would have just tied the knots better, made it safer. Um, but my dad's response was an interesting one because he couldn't obviously go against mum's wishes, um, but equally he wanted me and my brother to have fun. So he was a bit torn, but what he did is he went down to the shops and he bought a book. And he came back and after my, after my brother had, um, had been patched up at the hospital, I remember he, he said, here we are Matthew, here's a book for you. And it was a book on how to tie knots. <laughs> See, I think, I think the story shows our two responses to bad experiences in our life, to problems, to mistakes. We've got two responses. Either, on the one hand, we can take my mum's response and the experience becomes limiting, it becomes restricting, it robs us of something in our lives. Or we can take my dad's response, which is where we learn the important lessons. We are shaped, we are molded, we, um, we are empowered, and actually our horizons are broadened. My brother was then equipped to tie much better knots and make even greater zip slides. See, I know, I know better than most people, I think, that this is something that's so easy to say, yet so hard to do. But this idea that we can take positives from the bad experiences in our lives is something which I believe is really godly. It's something I think is really important. Through my teenage years, I had a really, really hard time with my family. Um, and I've talked about that before. But, but please hear me when I say this. This isn't easy, and, and it's not easy for me. But we have to be people who take the bad experiences that come our way and take the second response. I don't want any of us to be people who are restricted, who are limited, who are robbed. That's not what God's about. God's about freedom and life and hope and restoration. But sometimes dealing with the bad experiences is too much for us. Some things in life are, are just rubbish. And the only way we can cope and deal with them is to bring God into the equation and let God work through us. I think we need to be wise enough to accept that bad stuff will happen in our lives. Yes, we're Christians. Yes, we believe there's a God who loves us. But our experience tells us that bad stuff happens. We read the Bible from Genesis right through to Revelation. Bad stuff happens to God's people. In fact, it might seem that the story is overwhelmingly negative. Yet, in every situation, God works to bring out a positive. He shapes people, he changes people, he molds people, he makes kings out of kids. He, I could go on, but it's, it's what God's about. And the Bible is full of that, that imagery that God is. God's a refining fire. God's a, a potter who molds his clay. And I guess the challenge for us is where do we want to be? Do we want to be molded and shaped and made better? Or do we want to be sitting in the flames and be burnt and be hurt? We've got to let God deal with us in the right way. There's a verse in Romans, Romans 8:28, and this is a verse I find quite hard. It says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Sometimes my experience doesn't quite measure up with that. I see things in life, I see good good people experience really bad things. 
And I think, where, where the heck is God in this? But please don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that God lets bad things happen to us or makes bad things happen to us because that's his will. I think, I think I've talked about it before, is that there's this kingdom tension that Jesus came to bring in the new kingdom, God's kingdom, God's kingdom's reign and rule, yet we still live in that tension where it's not fully here, that God has not completed his plan, and so we still live in a world that's a little bit messed up, where parts of it are not as God wants it to be. But I think the trick for us is to realize that sometimes God can use failure as our back door to success. That God can take our mistakes, our shortcomings, our bad, hurtful, painful experiences and mold us to be better, stronger people. As I said, that's not easy. That's really, really not easy. But it's possible. I think we're presented with a choice. We can choose to let those experiences make us become bitter and twisted and cynical, damaged and scarred. Or we can let God's love come in. We can believe that that God can work through a bad situation, that we're going to trust God and we're going to believe God in all that he says he is and will be, that he's going to still love us, he's going to shape us, and he's going to mold us. I'm going the wrong way in my notes now. That's not good. Okay, so... Let me just say, being a Christian is not rubbish. I'm not saying being a Christian is rubbish. (laughs) Because actually Jesus came to give people good experiences. Jesus showed us that God's kingdom is about hope. It's about life. It's about restoration. It's that Jewish idea of shalom, that completeness, that whole peace. But in thinking about that, I suddenly realized that there's a question for us. What is the experience that we give other people? What's the experience that we give other people? In preparing today, I asked a bunch of people how they experience God. I didn't want to give any more than that. I just said, how do you experience God? Obviously, I got a range of answers. But the, the reoccurring answer, the one, the one question that resonated with most, the one answer that resonated with most people was that I experienced God through other people. I think that's true for me. Um, I thought about the question myself, and I, I experienced God in, in nature. When we went to Zambia, um, I saw Victoria Falls, and I had a profound experience of seeing God in nature. When you see that waterfall, when you hear its roar and its rumble, and you suddenly burst through the bushes and it's right there, there's something so powerful and amazing about it that you just see and experience God. I experience God when I pray, when I read the Bible, in worship. But equally for me, my day-to-day experience of God is more often than not through other people. When I see people living God's kingdom values, when I see people doing good things, when I see great acts of generosity, of love, of kindness, when I see people exercising great honesty and integrity, when people forgive and show compassion in hopeless and difficult situations, that's when I see God breaking in. And that's what encourages me. When I'm going through a hard time and people support me and lift me up, I see God working through them. But, and this is another big but, that carries with it such an issue. That if God is in us and we see God through us, then what an obligation and responsibility we have. In fact, I I don't think I ever signed up for that. The trouble is, people are watching us to see God. And what they see isn't always godly. I I know far too many people who have been disappointed and hurt by Christians. I know a lot of people who have been damaged and scarred by churches. And the thing is that that has then driven them away from God. 
It's one of the biggest mysteries and one of the questions I like to ask God when I finally meet him face to face and we can properly chat these things out is why, oh why, did he choose to use us? Why was it his plan to bring his kingdom values to work out his will through people like us? Through our very own admission, we are messed up. We mess up. I think that's why many of us are Christians, because we put our hands up and we say, I got it wrong. I need God. But that idea of the experience we give other people is a hugely challenging one. I was going to read um, a little bit from Velvet Elvis. This is a book by a guy called Rob Bell. I'm sure most of you know who he is. Um, so it's a story that Rob tells. One summer when I was in high school, my family and I were on vacation and decided to visit a church in the town where we were staying. At the end of the service, the pastor asked if anybody wanted to become a Christian. Right there, at that moment, in their seats. He said if people repeated this prayer after him, they could be sure that when they died, they would go to heaven and not to hell. He then asked everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. And he said the prayer, leaving space after each sentence for those who wanted to repeat the prayer after him. When he finished, he told everybody to keep their eyes closed and their heads bowed. He then asked for those people who had prayed the prayer to raise their hands wherever they were seated. This way he would know who they were so he could pray for them. He said that nobody would be looking. The pastor then said, I see that hand over there. Thank you. I see the hand in the back. I see some young women in the front. And he proceeded to acknowledge the hands that were going up all around the room. During this entire time, I had kept my eyes open and was watching the whole thing. I didn't see any hands go up. Several years ago, my dad reminded me of that day. He told me he had his eyes open the whole time as well. Only he was not watching for hands. He was watching me. He said that when he realized what was going on, and that I was observing it all, he had this sick feeling that I would walk away from God and the church and faith forever. He said, he kept thinking, I've lost Rob, I've lost Rob. I'm like you. I have seen plenty done in the name of God that I'm sure God doesn't want anything to do with. I have lots of reasons for bailing on the whole thing. I am also like you because I have a choice to become bitter, cynical, jaded, and hard. Anybody can do that. A lot have. Hatred is a powerful, unifying force, and there is a lot to be repulsed by. Or like you, I can, I can choose to reclaim my innocence. We can choose to reclaim our innocence together. We can insist that hope is real and a group of people who love God and others can really change the world. We can reclaim our idealism and our belief and our confidence in the big ideas that stir us deep in our bones. We can all commit to all the more being, sorry, <laughs> we can commit all the more to being the kinds of people who are learning how to do what Jesus teaches us. It's an interesting story and and I've actually got my own stories like that of situations I've been in and as a Christian I've just felt a bit sick at stuff that was being done in God's name. But the challenge still stands. What is the experience we're giving other people? And we need to remember and identify that we're God's ambassadors. And how we portray ourselves and present ourselves is being watched. I want to get right back to the start where I shared about my grandparents. And I think we've got two responses to experience. We can hold on to our innocence, like my grandma. We can believe in the Calvary love. We can hold on to God and all his promises. We can believe that God is who he claims to be, uh, even when our experience is opposed to that. Or we can let the hurt take root in our lives. And like my granddad leaves us with one response. No. Restrictive, limiting, 
robbing, robbing us of, of good stuff. I'm sorry if I've been a bit hazy over the surface, but I don't really think 20 minutes is enough time to touch all these issues. But there's a couple of challenges there. Maybe there's some thoughts. Maybe there's some stuff that you want to pray about. But I know for me, in my life, that dealing with hard experiences is something so important. And if you don't do it, you'll be all the poorer for it. So I want to challenge you to do that. I'm just going to pray to finish. Father, I pray that you would bring experience to our lives that gives us space, that isn't limiting, that isn't restricting, that is freeing and reviving. But equally, Father, I pray that when those bad experiences come, would you be there to teach us, to shape us, and to mold us? Would you hold on to that promise in Romans, be true to it, and work for good in all things? Amen. I certainly would concur, and I think many others would too, with Tim, that sometimes the times where we've learned the most have been through difficult times. And I can think back through my own life of difficult times where I've struggled, and yet, looking back, God has really taught me many things. Um, if you're going through that at the moment, one of the things that certainly for me, and I think for Tim as well, was the support of other people during that time, people to talk to, people to pray with. Um, uh, many of you will remember back to just about seven years ago, we saw that it's someone's birthday party this week who you dresses in some rather unusual garb at times, but you know, just under seven years ago, Mike was desperately ill, and I'm sure he and Janet would say that was a very difficult time for them. Uh, it was quite difficult for the rest of us as well, but uh, um, during that time, I think certainly from a church point of view, we were drawn together to pray for Mike to support he and Janet, and I think looking back, for us as a church, as well as for them as individuals and a family, was a very powerful time because we shared that together. So if you're going through something like that at the moment and you really feel, I just need some support, um, Tim and I and some of the others will be more than happy to pray for you at the end. Um, but let's also remember that there are good times that we learn from. We can look back at times of great happiness and rejoicing times of new birth particularly and you know over the last year or so we've seen a lot of children born and it's been a great time for us as church to see that happen to see people come into the world as a joined blessing to us so i just want to pray when i've done that we're going to finish there'll be some tea and coffee if you want it i'll also pass the baskets around if you want to give to the work of the church don't mind if you if you don't want to that's fine but we'll pass that around so let's just pray father i want to thank you in my life where you have taught me much through difficult times. And thank you particularly for the support of people around me at that time to love and to pray and to just, just to know that they're there to rely on. And I'll pray for anyone now who's struggling through a time of difficulty and I pray that they would have around them people to support and, and help and just to hold them up in prayer when there's nothing they can do. We thank you for what we've seen as a church of you working in people's lives through difficult times. Uh, and we look back and bless you for being with us and supporting and helping us during that time. We pray that that would continue. And as we reach out into other people's lives, we may show them something of your love and your care during difficult times and good times. Father, we ask uh, for this week and commit it to you. Thank you that you're with us. And we pray that you'll bless us in what we do. Amen. Can I just say to you, as we finish, that some of us tonight are going down to uh, Tabernacle Church in London.